You're listening to The A-Game, an adcom podcast chronicling the week in media, technology, and agency life, featuring Joel Hammond, Jim Ganser, and Jeff Culleton. Oh my, welcome to The A-Game. We're back once again. It's actually a special day. They're all special days, but this one is particularly special. Yeah, this special. is particularly special. Unfortunately, our, our good friend Joel Hammond can't be with us today, or uh, shall we say won't be with thank us you. today. Uh, sore subject with Jeff. But the good news is we've got our friend Morgan Rooks back with us. Hi, Morgan. Hello. Welcome back to the A-Game. Nice it's actually, to be here. It's actually extra special because it's also Oktoberfest Ooh. at the Adcom offices. That's true. It is. Yeah, Danny we, Heacock's up in here looking straight Oktoberfest. Have you seen her today? No. Oh, my goodness. Linderhosen? It's not quite Linderhosen, but it is 90% of the way there. Yeah, I don't know why I did that uh, accent. That didn't sound good. Apologies <laughs> I, you to the listeners. a small piece of insight? Yeah. When Morgan replaces one of us on the show, more people listen. Fact. Ooh. This is true. Uh, I'd like to say that it's my mom and probably most of my mom's friends. That's okay. I'll take it. Hey, we'll take it. Whatever it takes. Friend of the show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, once again, another another great week in media, in business. There's lots to unpack. That's right. I used unpack. There's been a thing lately where we've been using banned words. Um, it's a little bit of a taboo, so to speak. But so you're, you're trying to buck the trend that we started of calling out the words, saying we're not going to use them, and then now you're coming full circle and using them yeah. to try and get my goat. Well, we're trying to go back to the roots of the show. Mm, and when you <laughs> look at it from that perspective. <laughs> from Ooh. the perspective of, Ooh. yes, exactly. Morgan. But, um, you know you know how I, I like to talk television. You, uh, uh, Jim Talk TV. I like, I like talking television. And the latest sign of the apocalypse of television, that television is dying, which may or may not be true, mm-hmm. Uh Pretty interesting story broke actually last week. Yeah. Uh, Chipotle. They want to get in the business of direct response, and they've tapped in Turner to help them out with this. So Turner is actually working on a new cost model for television. Do you Actually, Jeff, do you know how television is bought? I don't, frankly. This okay. is out this of is, my wheelhouse. This is a good opportunity to yeah, make it a teaching break moment, Break it down please. a little bit. Make teaching me be- moment. Make okay. me better. Let's learn. <laughs> Bum, bum, so, bum, bum. That's the more you know theme. So television is essentially bought on demographics. So, you know, a media buyer puts a plan together based off of a target audience. Oftentimes, we're talking males 25 to 34. That so you start with the audience. You say males 25 to 34. Yes. Who like X, Y, and Z. Then you go and say those people are here. Yes. Yeah. And the, and the way that you actually qualify that they are there is based off of ratings. So Nielsen monitors programs with ratings, and what we do is we go out and we buy audiences, and, and that qualifies into a unit known as a gross rating point. And what a gross rating point actually qualifies as is 1% of your audience population. So when I say, Jeff, we've got a one GRP buy that we're initiating against men 25 to 34, that basically says to you, we're going to hit 1% of that population with this buy. Is that, so honestly, I'm asking more, is that a good number? Is is 1% 
GPR a good number? You know what? I'd love to tell you that, but I do not have a background in television. Whatever. Well, there you go. Golly. Look at look at the big brain on Brad over here. <laughs> so is is one GPR a good number? Um, I couldn't tell you about GPRs. I could tell you about GRPs, though. <laughs> well, no, I want to talk about GPRs. <laughs> no, it's... I, let's not get too scientific. I think we're going to lose the audience. But, but essentially, what Chipotle is trying to do is say... We don't just want to buy these audiences. We want to buy transactions. So okay. we don't want to hit 25% of, of these men. We want to be able to qualify that when we run a spot, we sell a burrito. Yep. So they're going towards a cost per burrito model. So they're not they're not buying airtime. They are buying airtime. But, but they're Turner splitting. Saying, okay. What Turner is saying is... We believe that when we run our spot on one of our networks, TBS, TNT, Headline News, CNN, okay. we're going to actually see a spike in burrito sales. And Chipotle, if we do not see a spike in burrito sales, then we're going to give you free free spots as a make good. Hmm. So, Well, I mean, that's not just, that's not a, just a TV model, presumptively, right? That no. is just a that's that's a pay per per for per, 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 <laughs> for performance. We haven't started drinking yet. Um, Not yet. On the Oktoberfest, but edition. Don't, Morgan, wouldn't you see that just translating to any paid media? Yes, but I think this is a breakthrough for television. It's something we haven't seen before. Um, And it's actually not quite unique to Chipotle at this point. So Mm -hmm. earlier this year, a company called Data Plus Math unveiled a project that they were working on, affectionately known as Thor, that they believe is going to show attribution from from television bias. Um, And they unleashed this with several networks. And at the upfronts this year, A&E announced that they were going to sign on up to, I think, five advertisers Mm -hmm. to test out this model. And they're using the data plus math attribution um, data to show either um, footfall attribution or website visits. Okay. So let me ask what might be a stupid question, but it's the way my brain thinks never having worked in TV before. So... In this model, we run a spot. That spot happens in Green Bay, Wisconsin at uh, 4.45 in the afternoon on a Tuesday. They are looking at burrito sales in Wisconsin at 4.45. There's going to be a window. Okay, let's say it's between 4.45 and 6 o'clock in Green Bay, Wisconsin on that day. And then saying, year over year, we actually sold more burritos, or day over day, we sold more burritos than without the commercial. Is that correct? I, that's pretty rudimentary. I know there's more no. that layers in, into that, but. In essence, you're correct. Okay. Uh, technically speaking, this buy is actually going through the network. So we're not going through uh, a broadcast partner, cable partner in a local market. This is actually being inserted at the national level. So it's going into TBS, it's going into TNT, Mm -hmm. and that's running in every market in the United States. So there is a a certain level of lift that will be recorded. There's probably going to be a clear-cut attribution window that's going to be established. They haven't gotten into the details of it, but it can be anywhere from, I got to imagine it's same-day sales. But that's not that's not a direct attribute. That is still fuzzy. 
That is that is not. So let me give you an example of what I would consider in that instance to be direct attribution. So somebody is watching the TBS app. They're watching the NBA playoffs in the TBS app. There's a small banner that pops up within that app. Somebody is able to click on that and culminate a purchase from the app to a Chipotle, from Chipotle's app. That is direct attribution. When I, when I go into Apple TV right now, instead of having to type in the title of whatever my kids want to watch, it pings to my phone and says, why don't you just type it on here? It's easier than using your Apple TV remote. So that certainly already, that's direct attribution. This, while great, still is a guesstimate, right? It's we're guessing that because we saw a spike or a reduction that the commercial was directly responsible for that. Is that, am I wrong? You're not wrong. God, I love I think, when you say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the bigger picture here, hence the uh, doomsday scenario for television, is the fact that we've got a major cable network who is probably happy with the way things are. They've been getting paid the same way over time, sticking with this regular cost model. And they're saying, things are starting to change. We're going to pivot and try a different way of doing things. Mm -hmm. So the narrative has been, TV's not dying. It's like a a small percentage of a percentage point drop in overall ratings. Yeah. But when you actually take a step back and you look at the bigger picture, there's a large population of TV households that are either cord cutting or cord shifting. Because now we're in a situation where the Hulus, the YouTube TVs are starting to come in. They're essentially cable, Mm -hmm. but they're not. They're actually being delivered digitally. So there's no cable on the wall. It's all coming in through, you know. Yeah, streaming Wi-Fi. Yeah, streaming. So that presents opportunities for dynamic uh, ad insertion. You can start going one-to-one as opposed to one-to-many. So you've got a system here where TBS, TNT are starting to say, we can be better for you, national advertiser, by taking a cost per burrito model. So, and I love saying cost per burrito, by the way. So yeah, that, no, no, I can see it on your face. Selfishly, your eyes light up yeah, like it's I'm, Christmas morning every time you say it. I know it makes me want to so eat is a this, burrito. So is this this the, the is this the convergence of display advertising and traditional television advertising? Is that what you say? I don't know if it's the conversion of display advertising. I think you know, we know that linear television is is not doing well. We know that it's falling behind, and I think that. TV partners are finding ways to show value in their product, and this is one of the ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having this direct attribution is just is one way to show the value of television. Um, another way, NBC Universal is unveiling a product where they developed software that's scanning scripts from TV shows in order to make the television commercials more contextually relevant. Sorry, Jim is dancing, and I can't get over it. <laughs> It's not even a full <laughs> dance. It's like a little just yeah. dad dance. It's anyway. Like a little shoulder, a little head. Yeah, it's a little like dad dance. Wait um, a minute. It... I'm a dad dude. You did it. No, it's okay. You did it. Anyway. Okay, he's a dad. He yeah. can say that. I can. It's fair game. Takes one to know one. Morgan's Banter. not a dad. She can't say that. It becomes not. offensive. 
Are we back on topic? Continue. Okay. okay, sorry. So I was just going to say, NBC Universal is unveiling the software. It's scanning scripts, and it's finding finding contextually relevant advertising that mm-hmm. can go along with these TVs. So I think there's multitudes of ways that linear television is trying to remain relevant, trying to find the right audience and prove to advertisers that TV is still valuable. So the way we buy programmatic right now, whether it's, you know, wherever it is. So do you see the Googles, the Facebooks, the Instagrams of the world, the Bings, shout out, um, having to move to a model of attribution to a sale in order to say, you know, this this TV model becomes more ubiquitous, becomes more widespread. Brands are going to demand that said, hey, I, on TV, I can get direct attribution. I can get them to say, I will not have to pay you until I can get direct attribution. Is that the same for, you know, our digital ad platforms as well? Mm, well, so we already have direct attribution models. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Chipotle deal, it's not that Chipotle won't pay. It's that they're getting make goods for I like that term. any potential fail. So they're getting additional airtime. Okay. Um, in order to, you know, increase sales lift. Um, so we already have a direct attribution model, and there are platforms that do allow, like, a cost per attribution. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think everything in the industry is just is just full speed ahead, barreling towards attribution. But then we're also continually barreling towards this whole data privacy, data regulation conversation. Oh. And eventually the two are going to have to converge. Because, you, <laughs> you know, we can't, we can't have – qualified targeted advertising without data what's the breaking that i can't figure out the breaking point on this yet you know how many people's personal data has to be compromised before you know this this week we were you know we had the conversation earlier tim cook and apple Mm -hmm. taking a hard stance on the amount of data that is being collected and it's being collected without you know, regulations, not the, but oversight. It just, it's, and it's being collected by all of these different branches of, in all these different, you know, silos of these major organizations. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, it's not uniformly protected. You know, we saw GDPR go into effect earlier this year. It, a lot of calls for that to, to start to translate into the United States. But like, what, what needs to happen before? You know, because the brands, the functionally the ones who would lobby for having significantly more data available on their customers, they're the ones with the money. What's going to have to happen for, you know, there to be a breaking point? Mm-hmm. No, it's a good point. And that kind of dovetails into the second part of the conversation, which is kind of the connective tissue here between data privacy and what we're seeing in television. And that's really how... Uh, the television broadcast is being delivered, and we are on the cusp now. And you know, we're talking. I was talking to Morgan about this a little bit earlier. She's like, you know, it, we're probably a couple years away from this being a mainstream disruptor. But frankly, the change is already starting to happen, and that's talking about five G, five G networks. That's a lot of Gs. Uh, we just we just saw yesterday AT and T announced that they're going to be launching their mobile 5G network. Now the caveat is there isn't devices that attach to this network Mm -hmm. yet. And Verizon has rolled out a network in key markets, 
I think, four or five markets, but those are all fixed networks. Those are not mobile networks. Yeah. So we're getting to a point now where 5G is coming into play. And the big promise with 5G is speed. So we're talking about a situation now where data has exploded. And frankly, a lot of the data, the data privacy issues kind of go down to the big platforms. So what they refer to as FANGs. So you got Facebook, you got Amazon, you've got Netflix, and you've got Google. But when you get to a point in which uh, the latency goes from, you know, moderate to nearly zero, yeah. information is going to be processed so much faster, and there's going to be so much more players out there that are collecting data to compete with some of these big platforms. And it's going to create more of a situation where we have to be very weary about where our data is going to. Plus, who's going to be processing all this information, right? But when you look at it through the lens of television, you know, broadband is almost obsolete. So your mobile network running on a 5G is going to be more reliable in terms of broadcast speed to get to your television. So you're going to see the Hulu Lodge. You're going to see the YouTube TVs mm -hmm. and a bunch of other platforms start coming and eating the lunch of the Spectrums and, you know, the Time Warners and you know, Comcasts of the world. Can I say something, though? Yeah. One of the, those organizations, everybody, the cable companies that you just mentioned, one of the things that they do diametrically opposed to the FANGs is customer service. Their customer service organizations for years and years and years have been black holes. They've been poor, to say the least. And when you've got an Apple, when you've got an Amazon, when you've got it with these places that just put it as a primary tenant of how they go to market, party has to think this this is natural evolution. And they in some ways probably deserve it for not pivoting faster. Or mm -hmm. more importantly, not pivoting faster, but for not putting their customer first a long time ago. So when we think about 5G you know, there's there's a lot of like nonsense out there in terms of you know it's it's good for us, it's bad for us, it's going to be like total recall, it's going to be <laughs> like yesterday. Like What's recall. the difference? Um, obviously, it's going to make a big difference overall. But what are the big opportunities for advertisers? What are what immediately comes to mind in terms of opportunity, Morgan, when we start thinking about 5G networks? So when I think about 5G, one of the first things I actually wonder is will it be the death of the display banner as we know it so if you think about it right now 58 percent of all downstream traffic on the internet is video people are consuming wow. video rapid fire and 5g is just going to make that faster mm -hmm. and is that just going to completely kill traditional display banners and have everyone pivoting towards video since it's going to be so fast and so easy to consume um from there the other thing with 5g is just the interactive abilities of it. So Jeff had shared an article with us this week about the potentials of 5G and how it could potentially interact with an individual user. This freaked me out. Jeff, this do you want to elaborate on this a bit? What's that? Would you like to elaborate on that? So basically what the article surmised was that a TV with 5G connectivity could 
be looking back a two-way interface with a user and then begin to curate a show based on that user's behavior. So it's taking, it's not even taking the advertising, it's taking the actual content to a whole nother level of, you could watch a show that ultimately all three of us watch the same show and have a different experience with it because it's being shot in a way where it's personalized to your emotions as they're happening. And that's insane to me. Wow. I would always receive content geared towards a very sad person. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm actually quite sad happy. Eyes. I've got sad eyes. I'm misunderstood. <laughs> I'm misunderstood. Um, it's interesting when we start to think about how it could impact like banner ads. You know, one of the first things that came to mind when I was thinking about the the reduced latency and the increased speed, um, and that's ad blockers. So, you know, IAB put together really great research on on ad blockers, and we watch it pretty closely because it impacts our, our clients here. But the the number one reason that people are using ad blockers is because the ads are actually slowing down speeds hmm. on 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 content that sure. people are trying to read. So if you take that out of the equation and you've got the promise of better data, better targeting, mm-hmm. you could potentially run upwards of you know 4K in video and people don't have to worry about slow load times. It opens up viewability of ads. Um, maybe it cuts down the difference between you know somebody clicking on an ad and yeah. somebody actually landing on somebody's website. You know, how many of us have to explain to people why Google Analytics visits or sessions are different than the clicks? <laughs> I mean, we all love that conversation, right? <laughs> uh, but it really just opens the door to what is like the domino effect. And some e- even believe that it could mean less time spent with mobile phones. So let me pose a question then. Yeah. So I think you may have mentioned the number one, but with this evolution, what are the current mediums like banners that are most susceptible to becoming obsolete? Banners, I think, are high on that list. I think banners will either become obsolete or they will change the way we know them currently. As Jim said, with the, you know, decreased latency time with everything loading faster we can enact new techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, we can do new things, new technologies, make banners more attractive than they were previously. Although, you know, we continue to see that native is such a strong player. So how will this impact like a native space? Um, I think 5G as a whole will be interesting to watch to, and see how people consume content and how that impacts advertising. There's there's a very interesting, as as fast as technology changes, people's behavioral patterns change significantly more slowly. And people are nostalgic for, you know, you've, you've still got flip phones. You've, just adoption doesn't happen in one swooping wave. It, it's, but you, you, they're, they're, we're at another time now of, you feel like you're kind of on the pivot of some big, big, big names either very much not being what we th- you know, we felt they were, we've known them for a long time, um, but the way that people consume things being highly different. Um, 
but it's I mean it's certainly an interesting time. It's the this data privacy side of things has you know people are still doing it. People are still give your information, disclose your location. You know you know give my you know most deep profile traits possible to the brands that I like to work with. It it is not something that is changing very rapidly. Mm-hmm. People are still either naive to the implications or have not been touched uh, or harmed enough to change their behavior. Yeah. Rather than answering your question about what becomes obsolete, I'm going to flip it the other way and, and talk about what becomes possible. That's why I like him. Um, he always be an optimist. The, the beer is half full right now. <laughs> Literally. There is Literally. no beer. There the beer is no is beer yet, but we will be having a beer after the show. Happy Oktoberfest. Um, but autonomous vehicles um, become a bigger conversation piece at this point. Hmm. We talk about the speed of data. Hard pivot. That's, that is an area that is going to become very possible very quickly with 5G networks. And start to think about like where Google Glass crashed and burned. I mean... Part of it is fashion, but another part of it is just speed and data processing. Imagine you know, riding around in an Uber, a driverless Uber, where you've got um, essentially the equivalent of Google Glass as a windshield in the mm-hmm. car. So not only do you have more time to spend you know, browsing your phone potentially, some might say that you don't even need a phone as much anymore. We're already seeing one of the the biggest darlings of CES this past year was uh, a company called Vuzix. And Vuzix has a set of glasses called Blade that is actually AR technology baked into it Mm -hmm. that will really come to life if we're starting to talk about 5G networks. So if I don't need to, I mean, there's so much written about people just being addicted to their phones. I think this is going to actually open up more ways for people to interact with technology and data without actually have to physically touch it. God, I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm yeah, having I mean, visions of Wally. Have you guys seen Wally with the great, people yeah. and they're and they're moving chairs with the screens just permanently in front of them? That's, that's kind of what oh. where I'm picturing right now. Yeah, yeah, we're going there. And by the way, Google Glass, as silly as the people who the early adopters looked, your handset, your physical device is going to go away at some point, and that is a natural evolution. Google may have just been a hard 15 years ahead of yeah. where, and underestimated the fact, because Snapchat tried this as well, and it didn't gain adoption, is having the thing Snapchat did that, you know, so they, they curtailed functionality hard, but they focused on fashion over, because people are vain, and as great as the technology is, you're not going to walk around with something that you don't feel looks good, mm-hmm. especially if it's displayed directly on your face. So to be continued, man. I don't know. This just feels like the acceleration is going to continue and the way that we consume things, although good in some aspects and negative in others, is just going to – I mean, the freight train keeps on rolling. Mm-hmm. So, Morgan, do you feel like the Verizons and the AT&Ts of the world are going to become the new cable? Likely. <laughs> I she can't just was, that was <laughs> so, just Joel Hammond. That was so Joel. God, she's channeling. I am Joel substituting Hammond. for Joel. I gotta, yeah. gotta harness the spirit. Joel Hammond. Well, the thing that's interesting about adoption, and and frankly, all these um, 
providers, all these traditional cable providers, broadband providers, are going to find a way to get in on this. Sure, absolutely. But when you think about it, let's use the example of 4G. Once everything flips over to 4G, when you don't have the signal strength, when something happens to the network, what does it do? It reverts to 3G. Mm -hmm. But if we're talking about broadband as a base moving towards 5G, what does that fall back on? Does that potentially put them at a disadvantage over an AT&T or a Verizon that yeah, has man. been, frankly, a mobile-first system up to this point? And then you've got like the AT&Ts of the world that are making acquisitions for AppNexus into the programmatic space and picking up um, Time Warner. So they've got the Turner properties. They've got the HBO property. They've got the entire Warner Brothers um, content studio. So what exactly is AT&T becoming now? I mean, it, it's really interesting to kind of take a step back and try to figure out the possibilities. But frankly, data is going to be coming so fast, it's hard to even process, pun intended. <laughs> um, yeah, that's right, pun intended. Um, process the possibilities and, and opportunities. But uh, one thing's for sure, it, it's going to be a, a different ballgame. I think uh, one of the things to tie back to last week a little bit, people coming out of school, people coming into marketing as a career path, are there's, there's going to be no excuse in the future for those people to not be inher- inherently comfortable with aggregating and analyzing data. Mm-hmm. It is going to be so key in everything they do. And great news for us as the A-game, it doesn't seem like content is going to slow down for us anytime in the future. So it looks like we're going to have plenty to talk about moving forward because this this is happening fast. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's a question for Morgan. Uh-oh. Assuming that the broadcast model of cost per burrito works, what would Jeff's attribution window be um, for what you know about Jeff before he actually goes out and purchases a burrito versus a burrito. seeing the commercial? Hmm. I have a number in my head. So there's a couple of different factors here. I'm wondering <laughs> what time he saw the commercial. Let's say let's say within like within a hours. meal hour. I feel like it's 24 hours. <sighs> if he less. saw it after dinner, Way it would less. be his lunch choice the next day. I'm thinking if you saw it in prime time, it would be your lunch choice the very next day. If you'd like, you can go to our social channels, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, at the Adcom group, and I will give an answer to this later on, probably we'll say tomorrow. Um, but it's way less than Morgan's attribution window, even if I saw it after dinner. Love a burrito. Mm. What, what do you get on your burrito, Jeff? Uh, so I'm, I'm, it's not even a burrito, so I do a bowl. Um, but I do brown rice, fajitas, uh, chicken, uh, corn, and cheese. No guac? No guac. You know guac is extra. <laughs> is it? Never heard that before. Nobody's ever told me that. So you don't go sour cream? I don't go sour cream, and it's more of a psychology thing than anything. It's delicious, don't get me wrong, but no, I'm trying to be good. All right, I'm just going to pass judgment real quick. Yeah, this fine. is not judgment on anyone in the room. It's this fine. is just a, a personal bias. Mm-hmm. The, And I know that this isn't probably helpful from a business standpoint, but I don't care. I'm going to give them what they want. You can give them the people what they want. This is the truth. <laughs> sour cream. When I walk into a Chipotle, 
I know that the sour cream can be very runny, which is oftentimes delicious, mind you. Yeah. But I don't want too much. And I don't frankly trust the person. Oh, yeah. That they're going to do the right thing. Some people go haywire so on that. I'll do a profile. I'll be like, eh, I don't know about this person. I'm just not going to get it. Oof. Okay. So you're you're actually in the moment. Yeah. I don't want to be the one that's like, eh, eh, easy, easy on the sour cream. You know, I'm, I'm actually going to profile somebody and say, this person really cares or they don't. Do you think people should join us next week when we all eat burritos during the show? I think it would be wise for you to join us next week because we're actually going to be covering a very controversial topic. Morgan, you want to talk to us about it? Yes. Our very controversial topic is Jeff. <laughs> Morgan didn't listen to last episode. She didn't. And, no. and that's okay. That's I did not actually her fault. listen to last episode. I was so enraged that Joel didn't know if I was left or right handed that golly. I missed the ending. Oh, wow. So next week we'll be talking Spoiler about. Spoiler alert. Uh, I'm right handed. We'll be talking about bank heists that have gone right. So people have gotten away with bank robbery. That's mm. a joke. I'd like to also, you know, wedge in that topic. People who got in, uh, got away with highway robbery with and without a gun. Oh, okay. All right, then. Well, happy Oktoberfest. Happy Happy Oktoberfest. We're going to go crack a beer. Hey, uh, I got five bucks on the fact that the first um, device that is actually going to operate on 5G is going to be an Android. (laughs) See us next week after we brainwash Jim. Come back. It's going to be good. Bye.